Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness, and opportunity in VFX, animation, and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects, animation, and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. We're back. Welcome to a new season of the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode one. I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and we're doing things differently with this season, where each episode we interview a different member of the visual effects, animation and games community and ask them a range of questions from the AVFX vault. Every week we invite talented folks from the world of visual effects, animation and games, including heavyweights and those getting started in the industry. And we ask them about their journey from humble beginnings, big breaks and learnings through to shamelessly mining their brains for career advice and their thoughts on how we can create a more inclusive and diverse creative community. In this episode, I had the opportunity to interview executive producer, Access VFX board member and ex-VFX hero, the mighty Jin Godden. We spoke back in July, it's a very hot day and we had a lovely chat. We talked about the importance of mentorship, the Matrix, and of course, the exciting world of production. So that's it. We very much hope you enjoy episode one, season two of the Access VFX podcast. I'd like to give a warm welcome to Jin Godden, VFX producer. So welcome to the podcast, Jin. And I should also mention that Jin is also a non-exec director of Access VFX and co-lead of our uh, industry movement for race equity in, in visual effects animation and games x vfx so there you go big intro Jin. welcome to the podcast <laughs> hello hi simon thank you for having me hey it's good to see you it's good to see you right so i've already kind of introduced you as vfx producer where, where are you from where are you where are you at Jin, at the moment what are you doing i am a visual effects producer based in the uk i'm okay. currently just outside of london usually london based usually soho based but now that we're all spread and flung everywhere, all over the place. I'm now in Kent, but um, born and bred in South London, Lewisham so, girl. And um, yeah, you know, I can travel too, but mainly I've been VFX producing in the UK. Excellent. And uh, I'm thinking asking a VFX producer to come on the podcast is probably a bit of a misstep, isn't it? Because you probably can't talk about anything you're working on currently. <laughs> <laughs> I can a little bit, but I can't give any secrets away. I'm currently working on a TV show um, called Britannia, The Sky. It's my first episodic project. I came from an advertising background and before that I was on production and now I've decided to try something completely different and um, go production side as a visual effects producer, which is, yeah, it's, it's been fun. It's been interesting. And it's where, it's where we met, wasn't it, in the advertising days, wasn't it, back at the mill? It was. It was. I was in facilities side working for yes. what Episodic calls vendors. I didn't realise I was a vendor back then, but there you go. Vendor. Very, yeah, very official. <laughs> the vendor sounds like you're just selling stuff on, on street, street corners and newsagents and stuff. It the does, though. I never street felt vendor. that I was just selling stuff. We were part of the creative process back then. It's just now that... On production side, I get to speak to the art directors and the producers and the costume designers. And yeah, so I'm, I'm closer to the kinds of hands-on craftsmen. Excellent, excellent. That's a great introduction. Any other notable 
projects you've worked on historically that our audience will be interested in hearing about? Um, I have, well, historically, I did a lot of car work, a lot of work with Jaguar Land Rover. Um, I've done a whole variety of animation that has been traditional CG, digital, for a lot of different types of clients. I mean, on the advertising side, it's typically you get maybe two or three months on a project and then, you know, it's got the brand all over it and you, you push it out there. But um, yeah, it's kind of, I've worked on some big big brands, big brands. Excellent. Yeah. Decent CV. Hence why you're our first guest on the podcast, not just the link to Access VFX. So my, my second question is three words. What three words describe Jean Godden? Yeah, if you had to pluck three out of the ether, what would they be? Oh, blimey. Um, okay, so I think I'd be called stubborn, but I'd like to say tenacious. Okay. I'd like to say, say that, yeah, I'm the kind of stay, if I get being in my bonnet, I'll stick with something. So I'll say tenacious, unconventional. I've never really followed any kind of fashion guides or whatever. I kind of quite like mm. to have my own style and get out there and do things my own way. Nice. And um, collaborative. I'm definitely a team player. I, I really do like working with a bunch of people. Brilliant. Well, you, you definitely fit the bill for a producer then because it's pretty much the job description, isn't it? <laughs> I love it. Tenacious, unconventional and collaborative. You should get that on your, uh, your LinkedIn profile, I think. It has a certain <laughs> ring to it. So what inspires you, Jim? What, my next question is inspiration. You know, what gets you out of bed in the morning? What floats your boat, gets your juices flowing? It's, um, that, that's a tricky one because it's kind of not just one thing. I mean, it's, it's very much because I see myself as a team player. What, what is the story that other people are telling that, you know, you can contribute to and you can mm. actually help make happen? So I think, with it down, I'd say stories. I'd say, okay, what's, what's that thing that we have to make? What is that story that we have to tell? And in many ways, how you can influence it as well. So not just being inspired by stories, but almost seeing how you can, how can get your it? yeah imprint on it. How, how I can help to make it happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Well, I told you this was a quick fire interview. This is a podcast, right? 45 minutes. I've got about, <laughs> how many questions have I got? We've got 18 questions. This is going to be content rich. Okay. okay. So my next question is, okay, so... Aliens invade, may, may have already, who knows, you know, if the, uh, the, the conspiracy theorists are to be believed. But let's say we get Independence Day style invasion and you have to explain to an alien what you do for a living. How would you go about that? Um, okay, I'm, I'm assuming these aliens actually kind of understand creativity and tech. Yeah. Let's just assume, maybe, maybe just tech, because I assume they'd need a bit of tech to fly a spaceship. But um, yeah. They may not be mad on creativity, let's say, but they know nothing about visual effects and advertising and, and episodic television. Okay, okay. But they're going to have to think around problems and find solutions to problems. So I'd say yeah. that that's, that's the creative side. That's the creative side. That's so fair, I would that's say fair. that my job is the creative application of tech. So we have all these amazing ideas and we have the tools make those happen those ideas happen but we mm -hmm. need the people we need the crew to actually use the tools and articulate the ideas so that's what i do i kind of i apply creative to the tech and maybe get the hopefully get the job done i love that that's a, that marriage of creativity and and tech advances that's a, 
that that would be the conversation starter for sure with our with our alien friends. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. So yeah, what do you back in the day? So when you were growing up, you know, what were your career aspirations? What did you want to be when you you grew up, Jim? What was your what did you want to do? Did you always want to be a VFX um, producer out of the womb? Simon, I didn't know what one was. <laughs> I had no idea. I did not know how you put this thing on television, how you put that thing on the film screen. I came from, you know, I come from a traditional Jamaican background. My parents wanted me to, you know, be a doctor, be a lawyer, or, you know, okay. teach, or the traditional roots, because obviously they wanted me to have a nice, stable career. So I had no idea about the effects whatsoever. What I did love was reading and I loved writing. So I thought, okay, I can like kind of bend it round. I can bend an academic kind of career into journalism or writing. So that's where I thought I was going to end up. And um, in terms of degree courses, that's, that's what initially I looked for a journalism course. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's quite a nice uh, connect with your, your, your story inspiration answer as well. So stories and, you know, well, in journalism kind of goes hand in hand, really, whether it's whether it's fact or fiction. So, um, so anything to do with writing then, you know, particularly journalism. Yeah. What interesting. Your... Interesting. Uh, okay. Well, we'll get into your, how your career path has snaked into the world of visual effects production. I'd be into, you mentioned you talked about um, studies already, and I'd be interested to hear about what you, what made you choose the, the college or, or university that, that you went to, you know, what, uh, what was the mm. deciding factor as to where you would, really master your, your your early craft now that was um that was actually a bit of a sidestep i had a place elsewhere and then i decided i want to stay in london i decided that london had everything that i needed to get into whatever career there was there was more happening in london it's more exciting so mm-hmm. the last minute i changed my course and found one that would allow me to do english lit as well as film theory okay interesting and it also allowed me to do some traveling, spending a semester in Central America. And that was, to be honest, that, that was the thing that really swayed me. It's like, I can actually, yeah. because growing up, the furthest way I'd been was Calais. You know, I hadn't really been much further than that. <laughs> yeah. And then this course gave me the opportunity to travel to Central America and spend a semester out there studying Spanish. And it was just, yeah, that was why I took the course that I did. It gave me the scope of the things that essentially I was looking for, the English literature and the film side. But then the cherry on the cake was going, going traveling. I mean, yeah, I hear that. And there's something about just, yeah, spraying your wings when you're young. And yeah, it's almost kind of like, almost the first deciding factor, isn't it? How far away can I go? Yeah. You know, totally. with, some, with some link to what I want to do as long as I can do something that's akin to a potential future career how far away can can, mm. can I go that's that's, mm. a, that's a great answer thank you Jen so coming back to an earlier question we talked about you know what you wanted to be when you grew up and uh, we've alluded to obviously what you do for a living currently so when was your big break how do you, and how did you make that break happen so ultimately the question is how did you break into the industry you're in now I think it was probably quite an unusual route I was um after I graduated from university, I was actually looking for a proper job and couldn't get one. Mm. So um, I ended up hanging out with a bunch of people and met a fashion designer who introduced me to that side of the fashion industry. I was a catwalk model for five years and mm-hmm. that exposed me to being on set with film directors. Interesting. So I could see how the process of putting jobs together 
actually evolved or used so many different tools and people and approaches. And um, that made me look out for other directors who are working in more of a kind of in-camera visual effects style. And one of the directors I came across actually had me working with him as a model in front of the camera quite regularly for a few years. And then a project came up and he asked me if it was a charity project and he asked me to do it as a charity, it's a brilliant charity. And um, I basically said to him, yeah, I'll do it, but only if you'll let me be a production runner on the job. Interesting. So That's... that was a deal, that was a deal. I was going to do a freebie job for him as long as he allowed me to do the production side. And that's wow. how I got into that's how I got into the industry. And then I worked on the production side for several years, for about eight years, until another opportunity that I wasn't actually expecting came up with an animation company where I was literally just asked to cover for two weeks and I ended up staying for three years. <laughs> so um, right. that, was, that, was, that was my route into animation and visual effects. And it's, it's literally just taking opportunities that were thrown That's at me. Like proper snowball effect isn't it I mean I love the idea of you being a catwalk model and being in the eye of this kind of pr production storm and seeing everything happening around you mm. I mean I, I guarantee as long as we run this podcast we won't get that route into industry <laughs> you know necessarily you know, it's, it's a great it's a great uh, career path isn't it I mean it's not the kind of thing you recommend talking to the next generation of talent is it? you know be a catwalk model and you'll you know you'll be a visual effects producer in no time but yeah, thank you. That's, that's, that's a great break. And yeah, I love the idea of that eye, eye of the storm. That's such a, such a great, great point to make. I say storm. It's not always a storm, is it, Jin? Or maybe it is. I think it is, actually. Yeah, Every time. Right. Every <laughs> single time. So what's been your favourite job? If you're the ones that you're allowed to talk about, Jim, what, what, if you could pick one job or one show, what would be the one that stands out and why? Um. I think going back to that first animation job, I think we were a really young team. It was a bunch of recently graduated directors and we had so many different briefs that had so many different applications in terms of aesthetics. So we were talking mm -hmm. traditional, we were talking hand-drawn, we were talking CG. Every type of animation we had to produce. And then we had, it was for, for a, it was a car commercial. There was a series of car commercials, actually. And um, just the variety and the different people and the, the, the team work that was required to, to pull that off. I mean, looking back on it now, it's several years ago, but looking back at it now, I, yeah, that was quite a feat. So mm. I think we were quite new to it. So we didn't really realize what we were jumping into. But um, yeah, and that variety of styles and creativity and people and the, the whole team effort, it was, yeah, wow. that's, that's one of my favourite jobs. That, yeah, it's a lovely example, actually, isn't it? It's that the, the, those formative years where you're all thrown together and I guess the, the, the industry as we know it now is still fairly, fairly young then, if that's fair to say. I mean, I'm not talking about like mm. Walt Disney, Snow White and Seven Dwarfs animation, I'm talking like commercial animation and what we know mm. now would still be working itself out, is that fair to say? Totally, I mean, we didn't have the access to all the software that we have now. I mean, those softwares were just emerging mm -hmm. then and we were figuring yeah. out how to use it, how to use it to the best, to the best for the brief aesthetically. But it was, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of things hadn't been tried before. We really didn't yeah. know what we were doing a lot of the time, but we worked it out. 
It's back to your alien explanation of the creative application of tech. It's whatever tech you've got, yeah, it really pushes your your creativity. Thank you it for really that, Jesse. It's, it's like, what can you do? What does that button do? Oh, let's go. Let's <laughs> press the red button. Yeah, shut down the whole production. Great, great example. So on the flip side of that, and uh, we always try to be super positive on this this podcast and in our daily conversations, but you know it, it, what's your kind of like worst experience or dare I say it most challenging job maybe not worse more more challenging which one do you look back on with mm. with horror and yeah wake up in cold sweats in the middle of the night <laughs> um thankfully there's only been a handful of those but um I think for me it wasn't so much the challenging side it was more the disappointment side I um had always thought on the advertising side of things that the closer you get to the source of the idea the more creative the journey would be. I took on a role where I was managing a studio and uh, really thought that I'd be hands-on on the creative side and it really wasn't. It was most definitely moving the numbers around and resourcing and not engaging with the ideas yeah. at all. So um, that's probably partly my fault for not doing my research and finding out exactly what the role was. But um, learned the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> totally. But um, you know, I had to build a studio and I built a great team. And um, when I left, it was the studio was three times bigger than when I started. And there was good people in the team. But um, yeah, it really wasn't creative. So um, yeah. and that was for me, that was quite challenging because it, it made it quite. Made me feel quite removed from the side of the job that I really like. Yeah, that's a great example. And I guess a necessary experience to go through, you know, I mean, I guess an ambition you had. Right. Is that fair to say mm. at the time to do that? Mm. And to take, so, I mean, a lot of people don't come to that realisation until they retire. <laughs> They've probably spent their whole career like MDing and, uh, you, know, be, you know, making rise through the ranks. And actually to, to come out three, after three years, like you're saying, go, you know what, I did it. The company is successful, but you know what? Hey, not for me. I want to get back. Mm. In, I want to do what I love. It's quite, mm. a, quite a bold and quite, quite a uh, honourable move, I think. Well, it was, um, I miss the people that, you know, I worked with there mm. but yeah, yeah it definitely that business side of it when you're literally just moving kind of mm. figures around it yeah it's not really yeah, it's not inspiring no not a fan <laughs> of a spreadsheet Jen. <laughs> no <laughs> i can manage yeah, them but no not every day all day no. you can work them out you can dial up that energy but yeah it's temporary no i completely hear that thank you so we're going to get into kind of the world of vfx and i'm keen to hear if you have one I mean, I hate, I hate using the term hero because it, it kind of almost implies kind of like male figure. And I'm not saying that at all. I'm talking about VFX here in terms of someone that you think is awesome in the industry, that you admire, that you think does amazing work, mm. that you, dare I say it, maybe in the early days, maybe emulated to find your own way. Who knows? But well, it might not be anything to do with your current line of work. It'd just be somebody out there, an amazing artist or director mm. who does some awesome stuff. So yeah, who is your VFX hero? Um, wow, I would, um, okay, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to name them, but there are, there are a couple of women out there who are phenomenal and they're creative and they're inspirational and they literally at different times took me under their wings and really pointed me in the right directions and challenged me when I mm. might have been feeling a little bit kind of, I'm not sure what's over there, don't know if I want to go over there, but um, no, they, they really supported me in my career at a time when I thought that I had actually hit my plateau and really helped me move forward. And okay. they were 
the, the way that they engaged with the industry wasn't necessarily typical or what was expected of them. I mean, one, one of them was incredibly technical mm -hmm. and the other one creative beyond what visual effects producers were expected to be. And I'd say that, yeah, two of them blended together would be my, my one hero. And I was very lucky to have, okay. to have met them. Well, it's against the rule sub two, Jim, but we'll let you we'll let you have it as a as a blended hero. Um, <laughs> and yeah, actually, it speaks to what you talked earlier about when you describe yourself about being unconventional, and um, clearly that, that 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 experience has rubbed off on you from from, mm. from those people. You can name them, you know, if you want to give them a shout out. It's completely up to you. We can bleep them out if you don't want them to be named. <laughs> but I think it's quite a positive thing to to give people props. So I'll let I'll let you uh, sit on okay. that if you want to. Go on. No, no, I'm, I'm happy to name them. Let's there's do it. Emma Let's do Ibbotson, it. There's Emma Ibbotson and Louisa Thompson, and they're both phenomenal women, so much knowledge and really creative. Excellent. Well, Emma, Louise, if you're listening, because we have lots of followers and lots of listeners, then yeah, props to you. We wouldn't have Jim Godden without you. Amazing. Thank you for answering that. So still in the kind of the, the geeky bit, we have a little, this is like our geeky section, is what's the, what's the best VFX shot or, or piece of animation you've ever seen? Ever. So what's, what stands out? This is, this, is, this is going back a while and it's still my favourite and it's still exciting when I, when I see it. And it has to be bullet time. Oh, yes. Matrix. Seeing that the first time and seeing it in its just purest form, there's, there's nothing around that. It's just, this is exactly what you're supposed to be looking at. This mm -hmm. is where we're putting all the money. And it was a yeah, heart of the mouth moment of like, yeah. That's how you do it. That's how you do that, it. That's, that that's someone it. having an idea, someone having a vision and yeah, no. That is, that is the right answer. It's amazing. I mean, yeah, I remember watching the making of it and all the, all the cameras that were involved. Yeah. I don't know what the exact technical name is, but do you remember where you saw that? Was it in a cinema? Did you see, were you privileged enough to know somebody who worked on it? I mean, where did you first see that piece of filmmaking? At a friend's house. No way. Think. You didn't see yeah. it on the big screen. I didn't see it on the big screen the first time, no. <laughs> wow, wow. Have you ever seen it on the big screen? I'm sure I must have. <laughs> well it's a great great answer so yeah. still we're going to bring the geeky element to a close in a minute we're going to get into advice shortly but the next question i have is is there a show that stands out as a vfx or animation masterclass? so not scene this is about a show you could almost argue it's the pinnacle of the art form you know literally it's up there mm -hmm. we should all aspire to be this that's really difficult that question is really difficult i mean Especially now I've had, you know, a look at, I, I really do like Marvel comics. And I think the whole, you know, looking at every film, there's something in there and you think the thought that's got into that, the preparation that's got into that, the creative design, the production design, everything else. Mm. I, couldn't pick, I couldn't pick a single one out. I mean, there, there's a lot of distinct work that goes yeah. into each, each and every one of them. But I, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm probably a little bit kind of... Um, Bias because I love the Marvel comics growing up yeah. and everything else, but it would be I think that whole that that whole catalogue would be yeah that's how you do it. You start with a strong yeah. idea, you start with strong visuals, and you implement that, and then you twist it. So I don't know which one. I'm finding it really difficult to choose. Well, that's hard. That is hard. No, no, no. I mean, we could take uh, Marvel as a as a collective answer. 
Mm. It is a hard one. I mean, I would struggle to pick uh, either Pinnacle out of all of those, that whole MCU. It's, uh, mm. it's a lot of films and a lot of TV shows. And mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. but I'll take it. I'll take it. Absolutely. Thank you, Jim. So moving on to another geeky question. What, what, what stands out as like your best piece of character design? What stands out as an ultimate piece of character work? Mm. Um, again, I'd have to go back to Stan Lee. I'd have to go back yeah. to those. I mean, what an array of, you know, options. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. I always think about character design. You know, you always, I guess you have, this is me being like the layman, but you have original character design mm. versus taking a bunch of comics and creating characters from those comics, right? Mm. And, and what we know and love with, you know, the, the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe and, you know, like Robert Downey Jr. as you know, Iron Man, as an example. Mm. So, yeah, I think that's fair. I think we need to give props to uh, Stan Lee. Uh, RIP. It's yeah, really, really good shout. Thank you, Jim. Right. So that's the end of the geeky bit. Thank you for engaging in that. I think it's important that we have a little geek out on this pod. So uh, thank you very much. So what is, and we've talked a bit about people that have mentored you over, over the, a period of time. We talked about uh, Emma and Louisa, for example, who, who gave you great advice and, and acted as role models. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Oh, that's, um, that's got to be keep going. Yeah, just keep just swimming. Keep going. Put the blinkers on and keep going. Don't be distracted oh. by the other noise around you or, you know, anything on in your peripherals. Just keep going. Just do your thing. I love that. Mm. Who gave you that advice, if I may ask? Um, blimey. It's when I was in production a long time ago, I worked with um, a producer who's actually still out there. And um, she taught me very early on not to be distracted by mm. the noise, everything else that's going going with it. So, I love yeah. the whole put your well, the blinkers, the blinders on, and just mm. do your thing. Mm. Tunnel, mm. yeah, just yeah, exactly. And especially these days, there's a lot of distraction. So, mm. yeah, that's great advice, and I think much appreciated, I'm sure, by our listeners, our listenership. So, right, so you get in your DeLorean. I think most of our listeners should know, and they, if they don't know what Back to the Future is, then they need to get an educate filmic education but you get a new delorean because we all have one right and you go back in time and you meet your teenage self what advice would you give to your teenage self if you could go back it's really important that when you make connections strong connections keep in touch with those people i'm finding okay I've, i've been in the industry for a long time now and it's now at a point where i'm looking back and I can see that there are literally a handful of critical moments with critical people who have really molded my opinion or supported me or whatever. And at the time when I was coming up, I didn't know how important those connections were. But when, really when, when you do feel that vibe with someone, realize that that's, that's, a, yeah, that's a precious thing, stay connected. Yeah, easier said than done, but yeah, good to be mindful of. Okay, right, now we're gonna get into industry. So we've got a bit of an industry section now and a bit of advice to wrap up the pod is, um, what would you change about the visual effects slash animation industry? What would you change about it if you could magic one Mm -hmm. time? I think we need to be more open about what we do to young people who are considering their opportunities. I think there's, there's still a lot of kind of smoke and mirrors about visual effects. Mm. It'd be really great if we could do more of what, what we're doing at 3 you know, going to schools, going to colleges, speaking to people about what we do, 
because mm. there's all this talent out there that's not being tapped. There are all these mm. ideas out there and no one knows how to access it. Yeah. It's really difficult, especially, you know, we've had changes in the curriculum in schools and everything else, which is basically swung in one direction. It's, yeah, I think it's really important that the industry engages with the educational institutions and shows them how to get involved. That's a really, really good point. And yeah, it's a hard one, isn't it? Uh, and you're, and, and you, as you rightly say, you know, we do what we can as, as access fee effects, at least, um, to demystify those routes in. But we're just one non-profit run by nobody's doing actually effects full time. It's really challenging, isn't it? I mean, the work you do with uh, with uh, the visibility project and XVFX, I mean, the output is incredible. But I, I know how busy for me, you know, knowing you as I know you, Jenna, how busy you are as a VFX producer, particularly with um, with Britannia and all the work you do remotely. I mean, it's uh, it, it's amazing. And but it's just we, it, we need more strength in numbers. There needs to be more. Um, a bit more uh, infrastructure to it, you know, in terms of that relationship with education. Yeah, I think if we're going to be looking to our futures and the longevity of the industry, we really need to start yeah. looking at making sure that that flow is supported mm. from the industry side. Absolutely. Well, on, on industry, uh, my next question is, uh, we should have a jingle. I think I'm going to get a jingle for this question. It's the industry advice question. You know, I said earlier about our different, um, our different audiences. So, the industry advice question is, uh, what's one thing we can do as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse industry? What's one thing we can do? Mm. And you probably spoke to that a bit in your last answer, but I'd love to get your thoughts on this one. I think we work on projects. We work on projects. They have a start and a finish and we crew up specifically, we flex to the project. I think there should be enough space on each project for us to at least give half a day with someone from a background that's not typical to the industry or typical to us and show them what we do, talk them through what we do and just give them the tools to do their own research, whether or not that's a case of showing them what we read, giving them a list of the, the awards that we aspire to, giving them a breakdown of the, the people who are involved, the stakeholders who are involved in the job, just give them a, give a couple of hours of this is how it's put together, enough information for them to go away and do their own research and springboard from there. Because there, there, there is so much mystique in the industry that doesn't really need to be, I think if we kind of pull those shutters down a little behind bit- the, and Behind out, the curtain, yeah. Yeah, I think people could figure it out and realize that there's an opportunity here for so many more people. I love that, yeah, like literally creating space on every, every job just to educate people in in mm. real time that that's yeah. that's an incredible shout i love that thank you jen yeah definitely if anybody's listening if you can make that happen yeah it uh, it definitely shouldn't be a magic wand moment it shouldn't be that difficult right just feel a bit of time exactly exactly thank you and uh, my final question is what we call the career advice question so again insert jingle or not maybe it'll evolve over time but could you give us one nugget of advice for anyone trying to get into this industry we call visual effects animation or games one mm. one golden nugget um my advice would be to take any opportunity that comes your way even if it's what you don't want to do because it will show you a different perspective it'll introduce you to different people and it will actually give you a little bit more ballast when you go for that interview and you have more to talk about for yourself 
every opportunity is, is, is valuable. I mean, your example earlier about uh, uh, being a, a model, a catwalk model. I mean, who, who knew it would lead you down the <laughs> career path it's taken you on? I know, it's literally just take, take the opportunities. I mean, I, I say this a lot, like your career snakes and you think you're going to do one thing and you go all over the place. Mm. Rarely do you end up doing the exact thing you wanted to do be when you grew up. That's why we put it in the, uh, in the, in the, in the questions, um, which we, 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 of course we don't send out in advance, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, that's a, that's a really great, great answer uh, for sure. Jin, that's, that's, that's our questions. You have, you have survived the first episode of season two. <laughs> Thank you so much Jin Godden tenacious unconventional and collaborative I think you definitely should have that on a business card somewhere <laughs> Jin you've been great is there anything you want to plug or talk about is there anything anything you're working on you want to share at the moment or are you still in the 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 the, the, the crux of uh, Britannia still have you got lots of stuff coming up I am still in the crux of Britannia and the thing that I will plug is definitely the XBFX visibility project Yes. People who are out there want to see everybody's faces. So come on, we need to we need to show how colourful we really are. How do people get involved with XVFX? I'm sure that we can put a link on the podcast. We can, maybe? We, can we can, absolutely. <laughs> we can in the bio, check it out. It will be in the link. So we'll be on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and we'll make sure the link is firmly front and centre in the, uh, the description for this first episode. Jim Godden, you've been an absolute dream. Thank you for joining us on the podcast. You've been awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks. No Cheers. worries. And for anybody listening, please, we're back in the saddle now. These are going to be regular podcasts. It's been a little break. We've had a little bit of time off for a number of obvious reasons. But uh, do us a favor, go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating. Don't worry about any reviews. Just give us that rating, get us noticed and um, support the podcast. And wherever you are in the world, have a great, day and uh, we'll see you on the next one and again thank you Jin you've been incredible have a good Cheers. one no worries. bye bye okay there you go that was episode one season two of the access vfx podcast we very much hope you enjoyed it Jin is a legend and a fitting start to this new season before you go a couple of things please go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating, subscribe and review if you fancy it. And most importantly, please get involved with our Foundry-sponsored global e-mentoring programme. If you're in the UK, the USA, Canada, Australia or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or become a mentor to folks aspiring or just getting started in VFX animation or games. Go to www.accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and essentially change someone's life. Thank you to Jin for being our first guest. Thank you to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And most importantly, thank you to you for listening. Please join me next week where we speak to Mark Simon Hewis, the head of Ardman Academy. See you then. Thank you.